We are learning Dafir Ches. We're starting from the bottom of Yud Zayin Mabez, a few lines up. We discussed the Isser of getting one's hair cut on Cholamoid because uh, Chazal wanted to encourage people to enter into the, the, the Chag already with a fresh haircut. So now the Gemara wants to know, what about cutting hair? What about cutting nails? So the Gemara says, Tanarabani, Gushim Shalso, Gushim Shalso, Gushim just as the Chalm say, you shouldn't cut the hair on Cholamoid to make sure people cut the hair before. Kah, so too. Also lethal to burn nine It's also also to cut one's nails on Khalamoid for the very same reason. Because if we answer cutting the nails on Khalamoid, people will cut their nails before Yantav Rabiosi. Mazrabiosi says that it's okay. What's the reason why Rabiosi distinguishes between nails and hair? Rabiosi says that long nails are so disgusting that everyone will trim them before Yantav. No one no encouragement is needed on that part. Continues the price of Shame Shahmar Avo also Avlo, just as an an Avil is also to cut his hair while he is an Avil. The Rebido says the same thing, he can't cut his nails. Um, and applies throughout Shloshim, where we have a din that you cannot cut the nails according to Rebido. Rebido allows the mourner to cut his nails. And uh, it seems to be showing him say that according to Rebido, could be able to cut the, ma- the nails even during the seven days of Shiva. So we have two different issues here. Seemingly they're unrelated. One issue is whether or not on Cholamoid the Avil is allowed to. Uh, to cut his nails. Rabbi Yehuda is saying that he cannot. Rabbi Yossi is saying that he's allowed to. And then there's another issue about whether or not we can have an Avel uh, cut, it, cut, it, uh, cut, cut his nails. According, according to Rabbi Yehuda, he cannot. According to Rabbi Yossi, he could. How do we pass him? Amar Ula says we pass him like for an Avel. That cutting nails is Aser to an Avel. That cannot be done. But the Halacha is like Rabbi Yossi and Cholamoy. That cutting nails is Mutter. And that's how you kind of see the two issues are totally unrelated. Regard to Avel, to Shiloh, whether it's against Dinuma Avelis, is it a practice of mourning not to cut the nails? And then in regard to Cholamoy, the question is, do we have to make the encouragement to make sure people are cutting their nails before the Chag? So according to Ula, we pass on the Rabbi Yossi Avel. Cutting the nails also to the Avel. And we pass on the Rabbi Yossi by Cholamoy. The cutting the nails is Mutter and Says the Gemara Shmuel Amar Shmuel says Halacha Gribiosi b'Moed v'Avol. No, the Halacha is like Gribiosi by Cholamoid and an Avol, meaning that you can cut the nails but in both cases. Why should we say that? In other words, why are we being more makele by Avelus than the first opinion? Darmer Shmuel Halacha Gribiosi by Cholamoid and Avol. Whenever you have a machlokas about Halachos Avelus, there's a big rule. The big rule is you always go in a lenient way. It's an interesting thing. Whenever there's a dispute, you go leniently. The pashas would be because it's only the Dino Avelus under Rabbanan. At any rate, so since so we're going to allow the mourner to cut his nails. But either way, the Gemara seems to say that Me'ekar Adin is totally mutter to cut one's nails on Cholamoid. Continues the Gemara's story. Pimchos Achot Marshmol is Rebbe Milsa. Something bad happened to Pimchos, the brother of Marshmol, meaning one of his relatives dies. All Shmol the Mishal time and Mideh. So Shmol went in to try to, try to comfort him. Literally, it means the Lashon of Gemara is to ask him a reason, but he's trying to make him feel good. He went to Nicham Avelim. Chazonis revealed Avin Fishin. He saw that his nails were very long. Amalei Shmuel said to him, "Amai l'shakoslu, why don't you cut your nails?" Amalei Pinchas said to Shmuel, "If you did have a mizalza bakulei, if it would happen to you, if you were sitting shiva, would you treat it so lightly? Meaning, if you were in shiva, would you cut your nails?" So he 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 kind of gave him an implicit curse that he should be sitting shiva. The Gemara says, "Have a kishkaga sheyatsuf neashala." What Pinchas says is like an error coming from the king, which is a takeaway. It's a, it's like a spin off of a pasuk here. But the point that the Gemara is saying is that it was a curse. This exactly happened to Shmuel. Shmuel lost a relative. So Pinchas' brother went in to, to him, to comfort him. Shmuel took out his nails and he, he threw them at him. He was upset. 
Don't you know that there's a covenant with the lips, meaning that a person should be careful with what he says, because if you're not careful, and there's some sort of nevuah, it's very interesting that a person can say something, even if it's not their real intention, but it almost seems like there's some magical power to the lips uh, to, ca- to ca- ca- carry a prophecy to them. So since he kind of cursed him that he would be an novel, that's why it occurred. Where did we see this from? Where do we see that there's a bris for the lips? You remember it says in the passage by Yom Avam El Narav. Avram said as a young man, You stay here with the donkey. And Yitzchak will go out and we will return to you. So he said, we will return to you. So what's going on? Avram thought that he was going to bring Yitzchak on that Kedah. And yet he's saying that we'll come back. So what's That's what happened. We will return to you. It worked. Both of them returned. So even though Avram said it, he, he didn't really understand what was coming out of his lips. So it wasn't just like a style of mistake. It was the idea that somehow there's some sort of subconscious where there's a nevuah that comes out of a person's lips. All right, so we just said, Abba uh, Shmuel was saying that a mourner is allowed to cut the nails. Some of them in the regular law. Originally, we understood that Shmuel means you can cut the nails in the hand, but the nails of the foot, those cannot be cut. Um, Rashi explains that fingernails were more makeable because it could look really gross. Um, but cutting toenails is more of like, you know, a pleasurable thing. Um, and therefore, an Allah shouldn't do it. I heard it from Shmuel explained, lotion of the eye, lotion of the regal. There's no distinction. Even the ones of the feet, we are, in fact, allowed to cut. And um, certainly, we're more makeo. Again, you can cut both the hand and the foot. Says the Gemara, but you can't cut them with the scissors. In other words, even though we're possible that it's allowed, but there should be a shinoi, like bite them with the teeth or use like, you know, cut what use one nail against the other. Um, it is better always to use a shinoi. Now, the Gemara doesn't say, is that by Avelos or is that by Cholomoy? Because we, again, we know that Cholomoy has been a little bit more lenient. That's been the, the theme. Like, for example, everybody agrees that the Allah was like Rabiosi by Allah was like Rabiosi by, by Cholomoy. The question was whether we were passing like Ba'avelo. So if the Gemara is saying here now, this caveat, this restriction that we need a Shinoi, is that only true for the Avel, or is that true even on Cholomoy? Uh, so the question is, are you allowed to do that? And at, at that ends up, Amachlokas. And Ramos says that our Minog Ashkenazim is to be Machmir, not to cut the nails with a regular scissor on Cholomoy. And there is also a considerable question about whether or not if if once you already did cut them on Cholomoy, before the Chag, then could you cut them with the scissors on Cholomoy? On, uh, That's a big discussion in the post game. Okay. But uh, continuing here in the Gemara, I was once in front of Yochanan in the basement of He took off his nails with his teeth and he threw them away. So Shmami got slots. I saw three things from, from what Rabbi Yochanan did. What are the three things? First of all, it's Cholomoy. You're allowed to cut the nails. That's what he did. I see it's not considered a repulsive thing. In other words, he was cutting them off and there's an isser of doing something which is gross, right? We don't want to do something which is disgusting. So we see it's not disgusting to cut um, to cut, to cut nails with one teeth. Or furthermore, he did it publicly. So we see it's not, it's not something that would gross somebody out to bite your nails. So we see that you could throw away nails even in a public area and we're going to see it's a chiddush because they could pass and be harmful, the, the nails. We're going to see there's some spirit on them. But still, we see he was makel, he was lenient to just throw them away. Says the Mars Taka, is this da'alacha, that you don't have to be careful what you do with the nails? Ini, Batanya, says the Rasul three things are said about nails. A cover on tzadik. Someone who buries them in the ground is a tzadik. Sarfan, someone who burns them, chasid. That's pious. That's like more than you really are expected to do. It's, it's pious to do that. Zarkon, someone who throws them away in a public place. Rasha, he's considered wicked. 
And the idea that Rishonim tell us is that it might cause a, a, a miscarriage to a pregnant woman because they might be too gross from it. So bottom line is, um, it's, it's, so how could Shmuel do this? Right? How, could, how, how could we have this? Um, I'm sorry, how could Rabbi Yochanan do this? How could Rabbi Yochanan take the nails and throw them in the base madrash on Cholomoy? So the Gemara explains, no, time am I, what's the whole reason why we don't throw nails in the public place? We don't want a pregnant woman to pass over it and miscarry. To have a woman in the base madrash, that's not common. So therefore, in the base madrash, you know, as you see from there in the Gemara, it's not that we made an unequivocal thing, you know, there's an Isser to throw away. Stop, there's an Isser. There's an insert to throw away the, the nails. The pshat is we don't want the pregnant woman to miscarry, so we say that you shouldn't put it in a place where a pregnant woman might be. But in the base matters, there's no problem. And maybe you'll say that sometimes the nails will be taken off the floor and thrown outside. It's not a problem. Once they've changed, they've changed. In other words, it's no longer a problem. It's only where they initially fall. But once they're moved away afterwards, then it's not considered to be an issue. Says the Gemara, Amar Yudamarav, there was once a pair of Tabadil Chacham came from Chamsan before Rebbe, and the Gemara tries to understand what exactly another source for this is besides Amar Yudah. Marzotra, Master Marzotra brought a brisa. That there was a pair of Tabadil from Chamsan in front of Rebbe. So it's just a question of who exactly is saying this. Well, Bikshu, what now we get back to this sort of Bikshu Menus of Pernayim? They asked Rebbe, can you cut the nails? Vetulam, he was Matur. Bikshu Menus of Pernayim. And, and, and you, we, they were able to tell from what Rebbe said that if they would have pushed further and they would have asked, besides for the nails, if they would have asked, can you cut the mustache, he would have permitted that as well for the mourner. So, in other words, besides for the mourner cutting the nails, which he was makel, he would have been mourner for the mourner to shave his mustache. Even though a mourner has an isra of shaving, Rebbe would have been makel. He would have said that just trimming the hair on top of the lip is not considered um, a real shave. Shmuel says even further, they did ask him, Imamish asked him about it, um, asked Rebbe about it, and they asked him explicitly, can we cut the hair on top of the lip? And he was Mamish moderate. We clarify how much you can cut. You can cut what's from the lip from one corner to the, to, to, to the other corner of the mouth. In other words, that amount is permitted. That's not considered uh, to be a shaving. And the idea here is it seems like this is like it's, it's very disturbing. The food is getting in the way of the food, and that's not considered like a pleasurable thing. That's just if it's interfering with the food, you get rid of the interference. Um, I mean, we're talking about where it blocks the food, and that's why it's okay, um, because it's not considered to be uh, a pleasurable thing. If it would be for me, any hair above the lip is always considered blocking the food. What's the pshah? Because he was very sensitive. He was so bothered by any hair growth on top of his lip. So for him, he'd be allowed to do it. Other people, would, they would only be allowed to trim it if it was actually interfering. But for him, it would be mutter. Um, for him, it would be mutter to trim, even if it was not actually interfering. Any hair above the lip would be considered interference. Says the Now we just quote other things from the same source about Vitul. Amar Vitul Moshe, the power who lived in the time of Moshe, who am He was only one Amma tall. Really short. He was a midget. He was Kano Amma. His beard was an Amma long. And his 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 gid, um, his member was one Amma, one Zeris long. So what's going on? Says that Hashem will appoint the lowest of men over it. So the idea here is that. He was very low and he has a tremendous desire. That's what's the disproportionate um, measures here in his body. He was an Amgushi. So we have different opinions what Amgushi is. Uh, my, and the Gemara in Java says either he was a sorcerer or he knew how to curse Hashem. 
Minor power is going out uh, to the water. So if it was a sorcery, that's why he used it, right? He would go, he would go for all of his sorcery to the water. And if he was that, he was he was covert against Hakadosh Baruch So that's the idea. He he declared himself um, a god, a god, and in order to make sure that nobody would see him going to the bathroom, he was a god. So he would go out uh, to the water to relieve himself privately. Okay, we continue. We said that there are certain people who are allowed to launder their clothing. People who weren't able, they had a very public onus before the Chag, so they're allowed to they're allowed to launder the launder the clothing on on So the Gemara says, We referenced this earlier that if somebody only has one shirt, he's allowed to wash it because. He washed it before, but there's nothing to do. So he got still got dirty. So therefore, he's able to wash it on a clone light. Master, if you hear me, I am the Mishnah only mentioned people who didn't have a chance to wash their clothing. So it sounds like Hani and these people in Mishnah Chalak Achalot, someone who only one shirt does not have a head to to launder a clone light. But we're saying even someone with 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 one shirt has a head to. So how come the Mishnah didn't list that? So the Gemara explains, "Amali Rabbi Yaakov, the Rabbi Yirmiya, Azbalach." Let me explain it to you. Masnisin in our mission, Avogav the Isbe Trei Matanfe means even if he has two shirts, but if one they became dirty, it would still be allowed to. Right? So the, in other words, because he he wasn't able to to wash at all, so even if he's washing his two shirts, it became dirty. We mutter. The mission is discussing people who can wash even two. But it goes without saying, the mission didn't even mention that, that if there's only, someone only has one shirt, so then Stam has a hatter. He Stam has a hatter because. He didn't, um, he has no other way to avoid it. He would have washed and every other of his shirt, but still, now it gets dirty again, so you could wash it again. Linen garments can be washed on a Columbine. What's the shot? Rashi explains that there's so much, there's so little terakha, and, 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 and furthermore, they get dirty very easily again. So therefore, Me'ikar I didn't his mutter to wash things which get dirty very quickly, and, um, and therefore you could wash the linen. Masiv Rava Mitbuchos Yedad. The mission says you wash the hand towels. Mitbuchos as a part of the barber. How do you? It sounds like these things, the hand towels, clean personal, not linen garments. The mission is saying Dafka these. Why right? it's mashma that other types of things like linen garments cannot be washed all the time. So I'm like, by no, it's just for the short meaning. The mission means even a hand towel is made of other materials that like wool or cotton that are a little bit more laborious to wash, but you still can wash those because they because you know you constantly using them they always get dirty. But in a Hanami, a linen garment, even without that, Stam, a linen garment is totally permitted to uh to wash on Khalhamod. It continues the Gemara Amar Hidai. I once saw the Sea of Tveria, but where, where there's a big sea, the canary right there. People were taking out bowls of linen garments to wash. So we see that washing linen is mother. It's just because people do it who said it's correct. Who maybe they're not doing the way the Chama want them to do it. Maybe they are doing it without the Ratzon Lachachama. So you can't just bring a proof from the fact that that's what you saw people doing. Okay, now we continue. You're not allowed to write. Like you're not allowed to do a a, a specific um, a specific form of writing, right? That's a malacha, and specifically like a scribe who might do it in a professional way. That could be usher. So the Mishnah says, however, these are exceptions. These following things are allowed to be written in Cholamoy. The idea is these are heterim of Dover Ha'avud. There's a way that these things could prevent a loss of money. So since they could prevent a, do- a loss of money, you're allowed to write them. Kiddushin Nashim, a document for marriage for a woman. We'll see exactly what that is. The Pashup shot is 
It's a document that says Aram Kudashasli. It's a method of making Kedushin. So so we'll see why what exactly is this, but the Gemara is gonna explain it could it could result in a loss of money if you don't write this document on Khulamoid. So therefore it's mutter. Or Gitim, um, a get. You're allowed to write a get. What's the situation? Why can that be Dover of it? Like let's say a person a person is going um, on a journey and if he doesn't write a get, then she might become an iguna if she doesn't know what happens to, to her husband. So therefore the husband is allowed to write a get before he goes away to show him a receipt. So sometimes that happens where he wants to, the person who paid back a, a, a loan has the right to demand a receipt if the creditor doesn't get back the star. So if he doesn't do that, there's a potential loss of money because the creditor could theoretically take out the original loan document and collect again. So therefore it would be mutter to, it would be mutter to, um, to write a receipt. Daitiki. Daitiki is what's written by a shchivmer, somebody who's, who's about to die. So, so, so if you, sometimes you could write a document to prove that it took place, the will, the will of the shchivmer, I call it, whatever he wants to happen. So if you don't know, maybe the person will die, I would have no, no documentation of what he wanted. So you could write the, a will, matana, a gift, a gift. So in other words, here you want somebody who's giving to somebody else and he's scared, you know, the recipient is scared that the person giving the gift may change his mind later. So that's a Dover of it. So you want to get some proof and documentation on that. Prisbal and Prisbal. Prisbal is the thing that circumvents the law of Shmita. Shmita adds them all, all, um, the, all of the, 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 the loans are canceled when it comes to the seventh year. But if you write a Prisbal, which is a, a Dakonam Darabanan, that you, you give all the stars to the court, so then, um, it's not canceled. So therefore, if you have a situation, the creditor, is, he's scared he might not find a good court after 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 the yontif, so he's allowed to write the prisbol, get it written, even a chamo, it's a chedish, because prisbol works, right? When when does that happen? Pastor's prisbol happens only later than Shemitah. So, what, so what's going on here? But we're still saying that no, that he might not be able to find the court, so it could be a davar of it. Igor Shum, a letter of Shum, how you evaluate something. In other words, there's an estate and we're dividing it up and we have to make a proper assessment of how much different properties are worth. So we get it and we want to have documentation of the way that was evaluated. Igris Muslim, letters of support. In other words, let's say a, a, a Rashi gives an example of a man who obligated to support his stepdaughter. So we want to have documentation to what he was promised. That's what permits a Yavama to get remarried. Is if there's Chalitza, so we want documentation that the Chalitza occurred, that's how she can get remarried. And Mian is when a young girl uh, who, who, who got married by when she was less than 12, she was married off by her, her, her mother, her brother, her father's not alive. It's only Kedusha the Rabbanon. And the Rabbanon were Mekel. They say that she doesn't need to get. She could just do a mean. She could refuse the marriage. So we want documentation that her refusal happened. Yishtari Biruin, Yishtari of Biruin, which is you select. So Rashi seems to say it means um, how we divide an estate amongst all the heirs. So you want to have like some sort of documentation how that took place. Xeros Basin, unique Xeros that, that were rulings handed by a court. And we want we want, we don't want the, the judges or anyone to forget what was ruled, so we want to write the Russia's letters of the government. There's always concern if the law wouldn't be written down or something like that, it might be a problem. So we want to make sure that we get government laws written down, the bills written down, um, and, and codified or whatnot on Cholamoy. Okay, so now the mission says Armar Shmuel, we're gonna get back. The opening line of the mission is that right, I have a Dover Ha'avod to write the Shtar Kedushin. So Amar Shmuel Mutalaris Yishvachoshamar. It's mutter to get married in a chalamoid. Again, we spoke about Eima Arvin Simcha B'Simcha, where you're not allowed to have the chuppah and the ceremony and all that. But we're just talking about making erison, just to be troll, right? There's two steps: there's erison and nesuin. 
So Shmuel teaches that you're allowed to have heirs in on Cholomoli. What's the reason? Shemel, you kind of know Acher. We're scared that if you don't do it, somebody else will go ahead of you. The Pashtun shot is, is that somebody else might marry the girl before you do. We'll see in a second. Like Marvel, deal with that. But you don't want somebody else to precede you in some way. So therefore, you're allowed to chop the moment and be Makadosh on Cholomoli. Why would you think you're not allowed to be Makadosh in a woman? That's like interesting. Shmuel saying you're allowed to be Makadosh or Rishon Barbala. Like, what's the Chiddush? What would have the Isra been? There's no Ma'arvin Isimchal B'Simchal here because the Erezin is not the Zman Simchal. And as soon as the Zman Simchal, the wedding is. So, what would the Tzad have been that it's Asr to, 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 to be Ma'aris, a woman on Cholomoy? That Shmuel even have to say it. And Shmuel only justifies it because it's a double offer. Because if you don't do it now, maybe somebody else will precede you and get to her first. What, what would the Tzad have been that it's Asr? Not that clear, but at any rate, it sounds like there would have been some possibility of something stopping it. And Shmuel is being machadish. You're allowed to be sure the woman to call him because if not, somebody else might get there first. It says the Gemara, uh, let's prove this. Let me say, let's support Shmuel. It says in the Mishnah, Elu quotes from Bamboi. This can be written down on Cholamoy, Kedushin Nashim. It says you could write down the document. That, that that was a woman was became a kodesh. So my lashar kedusha mamish. That's what it means. That you, you write a document, Haryam kodeshesli, and you're betrothing a woman with that. That's one of the three methods of kedushin. And clearly, if you're writing that down, you're trying to affect kedushin. That's what's going on. So we see like Shmuel's halacha that you're allowed to make kedushin on chol hamoed. If Shmuel would be wrong and you wouldn't be able to make kedushin on chol hamoed, then certainly you wouldn't be able to write the the, the star that makes the kedushin. So the Gemara says it's not a proof. Lo star psikta. The Mishnah means the star psikta. Which is the how much the parents of the bride and groom are promising for the new couple? And we give examples of this. They, there's some sort of dialogue where the, where the father of, of the kala and the chaler and the cousin have a conversation, and they say as follows: Tama how much are you going to give for your son? And the father answered, I'm going to give this. How much are you going to give your daughter? And the bride's father answered, This amount. As soon as they make a kenyan, as soon as they go and make the Maisa Kedushin, the obligations that they made are binding. These are things which are the kenyan really takes place with dust, with dust with only the speech itself. Meaning, normally in halacha, if I promise to give you something, I don't have to do it unless I made a kenyan. I mean, I might not be such a good person for doing that, but. Just words themselves that don't that don't they don't make trans- transactions without a ma'aser kenyan. But there are certain times where people are so serious about it and they're so into what's going on that they they mean their words to such a high degree that even without a formal kenyan, it can go through. And that's an example of someone at the time of the at the sum of the time when they're when the bride and the groom are getting married. Whatever they pledge, as soon as the the kedushin is, uh, takes place, then automatically whatever pledges they made before. Those things are chal. It's really a tremendous chiddush, but that is the that is the din. That's the halacha. So now we understand what our mission means. When our mission said you have shtar erisin, the mission was referring to documentation that proves that what was said. In other words, you don't need the kenyan. You don't need the shtar to make the kenyan. The words make the kenyan, but you need proof to it, right? In other words, how much did the guy promise? He says this, and the other guy says no. I promise you, promise much more. So you want to have a shtar, <coughs> or else there could be a potential loss of money later on if a dispute would arise about how much was uh, pledged from either side, and that's what the mission is referring to. So we don't have a proof to Shmuel that you're allowed to do Arison on Cholomoy. We just mean um, that you could write down the the, the, the dialogue that to prove between the parties, but maybe you're not allowed to make a Maisa Arison on Cholomoy. It says the Gemara, let me say, let's bring a different proof to Shmuel. The mission before said, you can't have a wedding, can't get married. You can't, whether it's a virgin, a widow, because these things are too much joy, right? And we learned about that. So we holla Arishari. The mission only says having the wedding is awesome. It sounds like just betrothing a woman on Cholomoid is mutter. 
it's not a problem in the Erisun itself. It's only a problem if it's Nisuin, if they're actually getting married. So the Gemara says, Lomi Bai Karma. Maybe the mission was saying, just in a way, the style of Lomi Bai. Lomi Bai is the title says this, and it's not even necessary to say something else. Lomi Bai Laharis, it's not even necessary to talk about Erisun, to look up a mitzvah. There you're not even doing a mitzvah. So maybe for sure it's Asar and Chalam Bai. You don't have such a good reason. Erisun itself, the Gemara says, is not, a sim, is not the mitzvah. Even to get married, to confidence he's doing a mitzvah, Asr. You would have said his mother is doing a mitzvah, and Kamash one is still Asr. So maybe really Arison is Asr. One without saying Arison is Asr. The Tana only spoke about Nisuin to tell me a Chiddish that even Nisuin, which is a mitzvah, is still Asr because of Ewa Avran Simcha. Again, it's really not that clear. What would the Tzad have been that making it, that making an Arison is Asr? It's not that clear from the Gemara. What the uh, what the possibilities in this? What 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 the reason would have been? What would our reservation have been with making an erison? But at any rate, that's what the Gemara is saying. Um, we're coming out that we don't have a proof one way or the other what making erison is okay. Tashmat says the Tanur of Shmuel. You can't marry and you can't have the wedding or you can't make a special suda for the erison. I mean, we see from here that just the erison itself, that is something which is totally mutter and chalamoid. Our is our issue is only either having a special suda or 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 um actually getting married because of the aim Avin Simcha Alright, so Shmuel was Matzer getting married. What was the reason? Because maybe maybe if you don't do it, somebody else will get to the girl first. So it sounds like someone could theoretically steal someone else's shidduch. So the Gemara is very bothered by this concept. Did Shmuel ever say this idea that the reason why you're allowed to get married is because if you don't, then maybe someone else will get to the girl first. Every day a basco emerges and it says... That this girl is going to marry this guy and this field is going to go to so and so. So, in other words, there's already the concept of Bashar. It's predetermined by Akadosh Baruch Hu. So, how can a person steal another person's girl? Like, what does that even mean? A basketball can't be nullified. So, what's this whole idea that you have to do it because or else somebody else might take her? How could somebody else take her if it's not meant to be? Akadosh Baruch Hu wouldn't let. A fascinating, like, uh, you know, theological question the Gemara is saying that it's not possible for someone's actions to go against the Basel. Like, it's, it's really, really tough question just to bring out the what's tough about it is, you know, the, the famous Arachayim talks about with Yosef and his brothers, how, how Yosef and his brothers, the, the, the Shvatim threw him into a pit um, instead of murdering him. So he basically says, you know, it says that there were animals, right? It says in the Makrabim, so if there were animals who could, who could kill him, then what's the difference if they murder him or they don't? So the Arachayim explains. That 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 when it comes time to animals killing killing a person, an animal will never kill a person. Vakalish Baruch wouldn't want it to happen. So when you throw them into the pit and there's snakes and scorpions, that would be a test whether or not Yosef is chayav misa. Because if the animals would get him, it's a proof Hashem wanted it. If not, it would be which is what happened. It's a proof Hashem doesn't want it. But with people, the Archaim says that concept is not true. With people, it doesn't work like that. With you could have a concept of a rasha, and because of bechira, because of the idea that Hashem has to let people have their own autonomy and choose what they want to do in life, then even if it's not meant to be, so to speak, but a wicked person is going to have that control, going to have that ability simply to kill a person, even if it's not predetermined from Makalish Baruch That's just the idea of bechira. That's the way the system of the world, so to speak, that's just the way it has to work. So the shaila is here. Why is the Gemara saying that if there's a basquel, it says there's a basharet, so then it can't be. It can't be that uh, somebody else could take somebody else's girl. I mean, why, can't, why is it different than somebody murdering someone who's not supposed to be murdered? Why can't people just be bad? It's a hard Gemara, but it seems like there's something so special about a Bashar that even the wickedness, even like the concept of somebody trying to hurt somebody else, it wouldn't work. Nobody would be able to steal somebody else's girl. Somebody able to be murder a person who's innocent. That we could understand. 
But to steal somebody else's girl, that can't be. The determined, the predetermined basketball, it can't be. What a powerful idea. So the Gemara explains, we have to say somebody else is going to daven and cause something else to happen. He's not going to be able to steal the girl. There's no such concept of stealing someone else's basher. But there's a concept of achieving something else with prayer. What can you achieve? So we, the Gemara explains with his story. You're saying, I want to marry a certain girl. He named a specific girl he wanted to marry. You shouldn't daven like that. She's meant for you. She's not going to leave. Meaning, if that's your Bashar, it's your Bashar. If it's not your Bashar, you're not Bashar. If it's not meant to you, then, then you know, there's no way Hashem can answer you. So, after that, Rabbi heard him saying, Either he, meaning himself, I should die before her, or she should die before him. I mean, if I don't marry her, I don't want to see someone else marry her. So, let her die before I, before I see her marry somebody else, or let me die before she gets married. That's an unbelievable tefillah. The guy cannot see this girl get married to somebody else. So he dies that either he or she should die, and it shouldn't occur. Right? That, that shouldn't occur that he will see her married to somebody else. So that's a really scary thing. So you shouldn't daven like this, because technically that tefillah could work. If you daven directly, I want that girl. Hashem can't go against the basharet. The basharet is predetermined. The tefillah is not going to work. But if here you're not going, trying to go against the basharet, I know that girl is for him. I'm just trying that I that that she should die. Before I see that happens, and then that tefillah could theoretically work. And since that tefillah could theoretically work, it's a really scary thing to have such a tefillah occur. So that's what Rava was saying. We don't want that to happen. So now the Gemara is explaining. We have the same thing here. You should go meet Ma'aris. You should go betroth the woman. If you don't, we're scared that somebody's going to go daven quickly, and they're going to get out the tefillah. Shemikar meno means through davening. It might be that the, the jealous person might daven that she should die first, and you never end up marrying the girl. So therefore, you should quickly do the iris in unless somebody else go ahead and daven that you shouldn't be able to marry her because she's going to die first. So it comes out there really is no concept of stealing someone else's bashar. That's what it seems like the Moscone of Gemara is. It just is that we don't. Somebody could theoretically daven that he or the girl should die before the marriage happens. You want to make sure that you chop the marriage before that. We see from the turn of him to him that Hashem assigns the Shadokim. That was the whole thing with Rivka Shadok. The brother and father said it came from Hashem. That he wanted to marry the Kalisha, they were trying to say, don't marry him. But it was from Hashem, so they weren't able to push him away. So it says from the Pasuk that um, it comes that the wife is from Hashem. Okay, continues the Gemara. We're just quoting things that he said. Because uh, we quoted other things that he said. There's no such thing. If there's rumors, right? People suspect a person of sinning. There must be always truth. Every rumor has a trace of truth. If you didn't do all of what people are saying, he must have done some of it. But most of also here, believe If he didn't do any of it, he must have had fantasy about committing it. So Kaddish Baruch was kind of like punishing a person for his thought at some level by making the rumors go out. Well, he saw other people do it and he was pleased with it. So meaning there's a level of connection that he has to the sin. That's the point. It says that the Jewish people thought things against Hashem. So what does this mean exactly? It seems that, this is by the way with the ten tribes, how they were thinking bad things against Hashem. So 
they're making these accusations against HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and again, it's completely unfounded. Obviously, Hashem is not bad. So don't we see that people can be suspicious of things even though they're not true? So the Gemara says, no, they were doing Al-Hachas just to make Hashem upset. They knew the accusation had no truth. We mean, when people make accusations and they think they are truthful, then it must be that there's a trace of truth to them. That could be true. But there still obviously could be a concept where a person knows that he's not that he's accusing someone of something that's totally baseless, but they're doing it just to upset them. That could also be true. Says the Gemara Tashma, they were jealous of Moshe in the camp of Aaron, Hashem's holy person. So what it was, they were jealous of Moshe with the whole thing. So what did they say? Crazy accusations against Moshe. Every husband warned his wife not to seclude herself with Moshe. That's what you do to a soda. A soda, if a person suspects that his wife is sleeping with somebody else. Then he makes a keynote. He gives her this formal warning. Don't be with that man. Don't be secluded yourself with that man. Everybody suspected Moshe of being with their wives. What a crazy chashash that happened to Moshe Rabbeinu. So uh, the Gemara is saying, obviously that was unfounded. So how don't we see that there's such a thing as a basis of suspicion? So the Gemara says, They did it because they were hating Moshe. In other words, he had so many enemies, they were trying to discredit. They didn't actually believe he's guilty. So the rule that we're saying is only when there's some level of Guilt, we're saying there's no suspicion unless there's some level of guilt. That's where people aren't looking necessarily for their enemy or the hachis. They just, they have, their accusations are going out. So then there's an element of truth. But where people are specifically looking stomp to maliciously, you know, hurt somebody and say something, that doesn't necessarily mean that there's any proof to it. So it's so interesting to apply in today's day and age. There's all these things, you know, rumors circulating about somebody. So if it's the people's enemies who might try to be hurt him, so there's not necessarily any proof that it's true. But if the person doesn't have enemies and there are things that are circulating about him, so then it sounds like from the Gemara that there's some element of truth to it. I wish I should get the schar in Olam the schar that goes to a person who's suspected of something that he's really innocent of. Meaning a person gets tremendous reward if he has to suffer through that. Someone suspected me of something and I was innocent. So we see from here, even great people can be suspected of a sin and they're totally innocent. So Gemara says, I will call it the Pasuk. If it's a rumor that stopped, so it was a rumor, but it wasn't a substantial rumor. It stopped pretty quickly. Then it's not so serious. But Rabbi Ruben was teaching about a rumor that did not stop. A rumor, uh, a rumor that did not stop. That's what we're saying. There must be some trace of truth there. It says the Marvel called Lopasa How long is a rumor that does not stop? Like how, how much time are we talking? How long does the rumor have to continue? My wife said, my mother told me, Yoma de Masa, Yoma Palga. It's in the Dalo town that lasts for a day and a half. If the rumors are going for a day and a half, then there's signs of truth. This is only true where the last one and a half days that is proven to be legitimate. That's if it didn't stop in the middle at all. It was continuous for a day and a half. If it stopped in the middle, then we're not concerned because we see if the fact that it stopped in the middle shows that it's not necessarily so true. And even if it did stop, it's only because of fear. If there was intimidation or something, and that's why it stopped, then then it is not necessarily baseless just because it stopped. So you have all these rules here in the Gemara trying to figure out what kind of rumor is a real rumor or not. It says the Gemara, we didn't say a rumor that stopped in the middle. It's based as only where it didn't come back up in the same strength, meaning it stopped, and even if it came back, you know, it wasn't as strong as before. But if it came back with more strength than or before, then it is not baseless, even if it did stop in the middle. But all this rumor stuff is only where there's no enemies. In a case where a person has enemies, the enemies are making the rumor, which echoes the thought we had before in the Gemara. Of course, there's a concept of stomp, people spreading something about somebody, even though it's totally baseless. Of course, there's such a concept. 
we're talking about without enemies, and it goes out. So there we have all these rules. How long was the rumor? Did it stop? So on and so forth to try to figure out. But the concept remains a concept that if there's a, a suspicions that are going out, rumors that are being accused of, or sort of being accused of something, there may in fact be some truth to it.